Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Competing Lifestyles. It's your boy, Charlie. Um, it's been a while since I did an episode last. My bad, by the way. But um, life's been crazy. A lot of stuff going on. Um, I've moved since then. Um, a lot of things have changed. And I figured time to get back in the saddle because we're all in quarantine and there's nothing else to do. But um, pretty much like I was saying, uh, moved since the last episode. I think the last episode I did was in June. Moved in mid to late July. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce and show how this all ties in together. going to introduce um, my co-host for the day. Um, also my roommate and coworker, um, back when I was looking to move, um, he told me, Hey, you need somewhere to move. You can move in with me. So I said, why not? Um, and pretty much the rest is rest is history. So without further ado, I would like to introduce my roommate, coworker and co-host for the day. Quinn Davis. What's going on, Quinn? What's going on, Charlie? Appreciate you being on the episode. Um, I've been telling you for months, pretty much since I moved in, that I wanted to get you on the podcast, but I have been extremely procrastinating through everything that I claim makes me busy. But um, yeah, um, I know a lot of people know that when I started the podcast, I wanted it to be very sports-based. Um, which this episode, this time around, I think this one's going to have a lot more balance. Um, so I wanted to today touch on NFL free agency, pretty much everything that took place during um, the beginning of the offseason here. So any signings, any trades, any players being released, all of that defaults under that umbrella. So, um, Quinn, I guess we should just jump right into it and start with the biggest move that a lot of people agree in free agency was old TB to TB. Tom Brady heading to Tampa Bay, no longer a member of the New England Patriots. What are your thoughts on that? How do you think that'll play out? Uh, I like the trade. Um, I was a fan of it. I like um, now we'll be able to see how well Tom Brady and Bill Belichick do without each other. Um, those are probably or they probably are the most notable uh, coach-player association in the past 20 years, uh, which is obviously the length of time that they've been together as coach and player. Um, And we'll be able to see, too, if playing quarterback for the New England Patriots truly is a system, um, or if there's more skill involved, or there's more coaching involved. Me personally... Um, I feel that it'll be fine um, for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay because he has uh, Bruce Arians as his head coach um, and whoever ends up in New England, uh, which I think will be interesting, whoever ends up going there, uh, we'll see just how well they can do under Coach Belichick. Tom Brady's a bum. The Buccaneers <laughs> are not going to be as good as people think they're going to be. <laughs> well, don't tell them about the bet. Tell them about the bet we have. All right. So, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this, um, when this first happened, um, who initiated the bet? Was it me or you? No, I initiated the bet. 
because right. I said uh, my take on it was that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win the division. Not happening, by the way. <laughs> and I put what I put fifty dollars. You said put, fifty dollars. I said fifty bucks that the Buccaneers win the division, which you immediately declined, no less. Well, I said I need to a a. I said I need some time to think about it because I still believe that this division runs through the New Orleans Saints. They're returning, and since we're on that topic, look back at my notes because I'm a professional. So, of course, they're returning Drew Brees. Um, he returned, I think he signed like a, a two-year deal. It's a two-year, believe, yeah. Yeah, two-year deal. So he's back. Michael Thomas is back, obviously. He's just a monster. Alvin Kamara, he took a step back last year, but – I would expect that he bounces back this year. And I know that the NFC South doesn't really have a long history of teams remaining dominant pretty much for long stretches. But the Saints, I think they're coming off now three straight division titles. Granted, they've just had some questionable luck in the playoffs and some questionable calls and non-calls. And we all know the the phantom pass interference. (laughs) But we don't want to... It changed Rub. the rules of the game. We got a rule change because of it. They got a rule change, and there was literally a spot in the playoffs for that rule change for that team in that same stadium where there was a push-off, and they didn't throw the flag. They're just snaping. But, um, yeah, I still think that the the Saints come out on top. So, who knows? I need to – I need to make sure I'm making a good decision when I officially pull the trigger on this on this bet, on agreeing to the bet. I think I'll I'll make that bet. I'm just not we're not shaking <laughs> on it yet, but I'm pretty sure I'll make that bet. Well, everyone has heard it, so I don't want to hear any mess uh, when the season is over. And you didn't even you didn't even want to hear it out. Just your disdain for Tom Brady led you to say no immediately uh, and as much as you don't like him which I perfectly understand uh, we can't deny that it looks good and I say that because we know the Panthers aren't going to do anything right now speaking uh, of the Panthers <laughs> claim to fame and free agency releasing Cam Newton mm-hmm. once all the starting positions were open bad look by the Panthers real bad look and even before releasing him, they went and signed Teddy Bridgewater from the Saints for the same exact contract, pretty much. So, yeah, that's going on in Carolina. I don't expect them to be very good this year. They still have Christian McCaffrey, best back in the league. Just got paid 16 mil a year. Highest average, was it? Highest. He's the highest paid running back. Ever now. Yeah, ever. It's like, what, 16 million a year? 16 mil, yeah. Um, and then the Falcons, I mean, they changed their they changed their jerseys. Uh, the Panthers immediately tried to bully them on social media, compared them to, I think, the Mean Machine. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think they look pretty good. But then they went and signed um, Todd Gurley, which will be talked about a little more once we get to the NFC uh, West. But, yeah. Um, do I think the Buccaneers and the Saints are the two best teams at the end of the year for that division? Yes, but you cannot convince me that Tom Brady is going to make them 
all of a sudden leapfrog a team led by possibly the most underrated quarterback that we've seen. Definitely the most underrated in his generation. Oh, no, no. Drew Brees? No, people respect Drew Brees and what he can do. They just had a stretch of missing the playoffs where they missed about a good seven seasons where they missed. But nobody denies if Drew Brees is good or not. Um, Drew Brees is usually a top five quarterback anytime he's playing. Um, But I just believe in the Buccaneers more for the simple fact that now you do have a better quarterback in Tom Brady. And this is the first time in a while that Tom Brady will have top talent in each position. Uh, with the exception of the the running game, but his receiving core, um, he has a top top ten in tight end and receiver. Well, I was seeing reports that apparently the Buccaneers want to trade OJ Howard. So there's that. But yeah, they still will have he still will have Mike Evans. He'll still have Chris Godwin. Um still I I think they were like a top five defense last year. Yeah. So they're still which of course he's just a quarterback, so he can only do so much, but I I find it hard. I predict them getting at least to nine wins. Oh, I'll give them nine year. wins. At the minimum. Like I guess the, we'd have to go uh, how many wins do they get at least 10 I think 10 is a stretch but doable we'll just have to see what the season looks like and how it shapes up it'll be too early to tell right now see I can get I'm content giving them at least 10 wins but I also feel like the Saints win at least 12 because I think they split between each other they'll split I can see them splitting and plus, I mean it's just for however, well, for at least the next two years, we'll see Drew Brees and Tom Brady go against each other, which will be, that's going to be Monday night, well, probably a Sunday night game. Should be Sunday night. They'll probably make that a Sunday night game for sure. I mean, Monday night football, they can't get anybody in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> Peyton yeah, said no. Nah. commentary standpoint, yeah, they'll probably have Alan Chris commentate the game on a Sunday night, but that'll be must-see TV two quarterbacks that are uh, getting ready to ride off into the sunset, dueling each other twice a year. So yeah, for at least the next two seasons, we'll see them both. Um, Which I think part of it too was, which I wish we saw more of, especially over these quarterbacks' careers, is seeing more good quarterback duels that necessarily weren't in the playoffs but more regular season. See, I'm just happy that Tom Brady finally has to play somebody, like a team with a quarterback, that is very much respected and very good. No more just just riding, just coasting through the division to the playoffs. And that's not his fault. That is not his fault because you still have to go out there and win the game. Because for some reason they always have trouble with Miami. It for some reason they would the Patriots would split with Miami on nonsense. <laughs> Those boys go to Miami and <laughs> football is the last thing. They're in Foxborough for eight games. It's freezing, and a lot of people would probably agree and say it's pretty miserable out there. So they get down to the warm weather. 
football is the last thing on my, on their mind at that point. They just want to go just relax. So it's a vacation. But like I said, Tom Brady is a system quarterback and he is pretty pretty old. All right. Um so that's pretty much the NFC South. Um like I said, not, not really much on the Falcons. Um Panthers are pretty much rebuilding. Um so with that, yeah, we jump now to um the NFC North. Um big news pretty much for the Vikings coming out of um the beginning of the offseason. Well, of the new league year. Uh Stefan Diggs getting traded to Buffalo. Pretty much for I think they got a one and like two or three other picks. Um so yeah, do you think Stefan Diggs pretty much gives the Bo- the Buffalo Bills the edge pretty much on offense now to to win the division. Wait, hold up. I'm asking the question for the Bills. It's supposed to be for the Vikings. I caught that. So with Stephon Diggs leaving Minnesota, how do you think Minnesota does now with really just Adam Thielen as a legitimate threat on the outside? I think they'll still do okay. Um, their their tight end game isn't bad. Um, Cal Rudolph. So Earth Smith still Jr. Do okay. I mean, Kirk Cousins isn't a bad quarterback. I think he catches more flack than what he deserves. People love um, to just hammer him when it comes to primetime games because it's it, it's easy to do. It's an easy thing to pick at him, but he performs well, and he performed well this past season. Even the last two years where they kept tagging him in Washington, he still performed well. He should have got the contract, but that's just bad ownership. But that's a different conversation for a different day. The red, the uh, man, the Redskins organization <laughs> is just a bunch of bums. They're just uh, all bums. That's just bad front office management. But I still think the Vikings, uh, the Vikings could very well win the division this season, this upcoming season. It's not out of the realm of possibility uh, because of how well they performed this past year. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers just do Aaron Rodgers and Packers things. Um, but I think the Vikings still have a good chance because Adam Steelen is still a thousand yard receiver. Um, Easy. The man was just hampered by injuries this season. Yeah, injuries injuries slowed him down a little bit, but he could still he could still catch the ball. Kirk Cousins is still his quarterback, um, and you know you still got Kyle Rudolph. You know the running game is still all right. So I mean they can still get the job done. So it's it's a you could put them one two with the Packers this season. Speaking of the Packers, uh, they won the division last year. Probably should have started with them, but here we are. Um, so Packers, I think they went thirteen and three. They were the two seed and got blasted <laughs> by San Francisco in the NFC title game. I think, what is it, 186 yards they had rushing before contact? Yeah, their run, I think it's a combination of how well the 49ers run game was and also how bad the Packers run defense was. They gave their defensive coordinator a contract extension, by the way. Yeah, they probably looked at that game as a fluke. Mike Patton. But... Mike Pettin, man, he's... That man coached the Browns. How he still has a job. And I mean, I guess uh, it's one of those things. I mean, that could be a different that could be a different conversation piece one day. Of just coaches that we're surprised still have jobs in the league, but... Uh, That'll be a long episode. <laughs> we'll be there all day for that. But the... They... 
there's a lot of work, and I and I guess, and you're you're gonna get on me for this. Cause oh, you here we go. Know what I'm about to say. Here we go. I've been waiting for it. You're just <laughs> you're just setting it up for me. But go right yeah. on ahead. I like Aaron Rodgers you're as right. much as you, <laughs> as much as you say I don't like him. I do like Aaron Rodgers. I just think he's already peaked. Already now, is he? He's still he's still a top level quarterback. I'm not taking that away from him at all. But a lot of this season, he got helped out a lot this past season. Aaron Jones uh, put that team on his back. You're not even going to get any opposition from me on that one. Because Aaron Jones went out there, and midway through the season, I don't know if he ate his Wheaties, or somebody got in his <laughs> ear and was just like, we'll cut you if you don't perform, or what. But, uh, I mean, against us, you know, ran off, just running off touchdowns like nobody's business. What was that three or four uh, in that game? It was... I want to say it's four. He got at least three out. I know for sure. The but, man got me a lot of points of fantasy. And then I, he was a fantasy dream for players. And then they just got a lot of help. So, I mean, when the when the passing game isn't so good, of course, you, you look at the running game. And it worked out for him. Um, but I think we're really going to see. I think this will be a real test this year for how well Aaron Rodgers can do. Because they traded away some of their talent. Um, hey, they released they released old Jimmy. That may have yeah. bricks for hands. I don't know what it is because Jimmy Graham's not a bad. He's not a bad tight end. I mean, he shot to start him, of course, with New Orleans. I mean, you went to high school with him, right? Yeah, went to high school with him. Played with him my freshman year uh, of football. I didn't play sophomore year, but he still played. And then he went off afterwards to play basketball. Of course, took the trip to Miami. And then we know the story of there going to the Saints, where he became the guy and revolutionized the tight end position. Um, but yeah, him going to Seattle on paper looked good. It didn't work out for him. That was a team that uh, wanted to run the ball first. And yeah, Jimmy Graham's not a bad blocker, but he's not a, run, a blocker. Run first offense, which is understandable because that's what had been working for him, and nobody was stopping it at the time. You know, then here he goes to Green Bay, which we thought he could have been put to work because they have a solid tight end with Richard Rodgers. Um, and then everybody's like, okay, we got Jimmy now, so this is going to be a step up. But he just he just couldn't get it done, unfortunately. And not saying he's a bad player, it's just he just didn't work well in that offensive scheme. It's like ever since he lost, um, left New Orleans, pretty much, it's just he. It seems like he lost his focus. Yeah, and I don't know if it was a confidence thing as well, um, especially with the whole contract thing where he was trying to get receiver money. And he made a good argument. Um, I thought he was going to win his uh, arguing his case for wanting to get receiver money just because they. They looked at, well, how many times did you line up as a receiver and all this stuff like that? And I think that not panning out for him from a contract perspective definitely affected him mentally. And, of course, when you're mentally affected, it's going to affect your performance, and that's with anything. And I think it showed. I think it showed when he was in Seattle. He just couldn't get utilized that well. Even when they did try to give him the ball, it just didn't work out. you know. And then in Green Bay, you had flashes of, okay – this is the Jimmy Graham we're used to, but they just couldn't, they couldn't find a way. It was like a square peg in a round hole sometimes. So we'll see what happens now uh, moving forward, but it'll be interesting. But yeah, the topic of Jimmy Graham just transitions us perfectly within the division to the next team, Chicago, since that's where you went. So obviously, you know, with Chicago, um, not this past season, but season before, um, great defense, offense did enough. The double doink, um, just tragic but then we get to this year and the defense is still good but it doesn't seem as good because they're having to do so much to compensate for the 
the ineptness pretty much of that Bears offense. And just a lot came down to people just saying at the end of the day is like Trubisky's just not good. So maybe they let people get in their ear or something, but whatever it was, they trade for Nick Foles. And I think they've already told them that it's going to be an open um, competition to see who's going to be the starter um, for opening day. So do you think, like, how do you think this plays out? Do you think they compete and Nick Foles wins? Therefore, meaning that the Bears organization realizes they made a mistake. Or do you think Trubisky wins, but the fact that they brought someone in that we've already seen supplant some people as a starter do you think it'll make him play worse because he's looking over his shoulder, or do you think this will motivate him? Like, how do you think this works out for the Bears? I would just start Nick Foles, honestly. Um, just because I jokingly call him Mitchell Trubusky, because it just it just hasn't worked out. It it hasn't worked out. Like they had high hopes for this kid, and we saw flashes of him doing well, but in the grand scheme of things, it just just hasn't worked. Then he gets injured everything and here we have Nick Foles who has proven outside of that stint in uh, St. Louis um, but he in turn we go he goes to the Eagles and throws seven touchdowns his first game which I'm sure no one had Nick Foles on their fantasy team that day because Peyton Manning also threw seven touchdowns that same game oh they did after that, that same though. day and everybody picks up Nick Foles and everything we actually saw that he was good which it was one of those situations where people thought uh, it was a classic case of the the player was on the wrong team and they move and then they end up doing well and then he leaves uh, comes back and he brilliantly filled in the gap for Carson Wentz and those guys went to the Super Bowl and won you know we got to see the Philly special and all that stuff and he remained humble the whole time and everything and I understand Philly having to go the direction that they did um in letting him go, and of course he goes to Jacksonville. That didn't work out, but he goes to Chicago. And I would, I would just start Nick Foles. I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't. The wild thing for Nick Foles is that in the first game of this past season, coming off of signing that massive contract with Jacksonville, the man was playing good. I think he threw a touchdown on the play that he got hurt, and then Gardner Minshew comes in, and the rest is history. All right, so that's pretty much the story on Chicago. Then that leads us with the last team in the division. I'm not sure if there's any Lions fans that listen to this, but I'm sorry, Lions fans. <laughs> I was talking to Quint. I couldn't figure out anything good to say for the, the Lions for this. So all I got is that they traded Darius Slay. And all I can think for them that they have as a positive to look at is the fact that they hold the number three pick in the draft, which also is a bad thing because that means that they stunk last year. But um, I'm just going to sit here and assume that they draft Jeff Okuda. Unless they, unless they're just sitting back waiting for somebody to just throw picks at them and they trade down, so that's pretty much all I got on uh, Detroit. Um, and then here's the NFC West. Uh, we'll start with one half of the Super Bowl representatives from this most recent Super Bowl, uh, the 49ers. Um, pretty much the big move for them. Um, we all know that they're defensive line last year was just disgusting and pretty much um i think eric armstead was i think he he was either a free agent or he was coming up on a contract year but they re-signed him and then they 
traded DeForest Buckner, which I'll talk we'll talk about a little later. Um, so how do you think things are gonna shape out for San Francisco, obviously, prior to the draft? They don't have a lot of holes from what it looks like. No, and the thing is they were fine. And we got to see that your quarterback doesn't need to throw the ball a lot for your team to be successful. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, in the Tennessee game, he threw, what, eight passes or something like that? Because they just didn't need to because the running game uh, was so dominant and nobody really had an answer for it. Um, I think the issue is is that Kyle Shanahan needs to learn to stick with uh, the game plan that works. We saw it when he was in Atlanta. And they basically just gave the game away against the Patriots, and then we saw this past year, and they were they were killing Kansas City. Like people were wondering, it's like okay, they found the crack in the armor. Debo Samuel was doing work, and they just they just abandoned the game plan. Like Debo Samuel was killing them, and they're just like, nope, we're just you know we appreciate all the work that you've done, you know, and it's he he created dissension on the team where the players are looking at him in the, on the sideline. They're questioning play calling in the huddle. And then it came down to it. You had to have Jimmy Garoppolo come out and win the game for you, which respect to Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he proved that he could do it during the yeah. regular season versus the saints. And he did good. Like when he first got to the 49ers, they went four and zero until he got hurt. So he could do it. It's just, I don't know if this, the lights were too bright for him, which actually, and that's in hindsight, I think that's unfair to say the lights weren't too bright for him. It was Kyle Shanahan just abandoning what worked. Because if they stuck to the game plan, Jimmy Garoppolo would have looked fine, but they were asking him to do too much too late. And it gave Kansas City the opportunity to get back out there. And because they abandoned the game plan, the defense was out there longer. The defense was tired. And then Patrick Mahomes just did Patrick Mahomes stuff. Well, get rid of Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) That feels aggressive. All right. Um, Next, Seattle. Pretty much all I could think of with Seattle was um, they signed Greg Olson, who was also released by the by the Panthers, and they have the biggest remaining free agent free agent still out there in Jadavion Clowney. Chances are he's not coming back because he wants a lot of money, mm-hmm. a lot of money. So, um, what do you think for Seattle coming up? I think it depends on what talking they do with Jadavion Clowney. Which he does okay. I don't think he deserves the money that he's asking for. Um, I think the rumor was he wanted like twenty one mil, but I think he recently here dropped it to something like sixteen to eighteen mil. He, I would give him fifteen million dollars. I would go even lower than that, just because. Again, he shows flashes of being good, um, but not consistently enough. The knock on him is that he has all the talent and he can dominate a game if he wants to, but that's the thing. If, yeah. if he wants to. And that's that's why. It's like, we'll pay you, but you haven't shown that you care enough about the game on a consistent basis. So if he walks, he walks, and that's fine. You'll just get someone in the draft. But they do all right. I mean, Russell Wilson's still your quarterback, you know, and was in the MVP conversation. I mean, if not for Lamar Jackson, he would have won the MVP. I have no doubts. But I think they do fine. The running game is fine. Uh, receiving game is fine. We got to see Tyler Lockett step up, just blossomed this year. Uh, because Doug Baldwin was gone, so it's like you're the you're the man now. And we got to see Tyler Lockett. I forget how many touchdowns he caught. He had a lot. It was double digit touchdowns this year. I want to say 
13, 14. But, uh, you know, when you have Russell Wilson throwing to you, it's a confidence booster as well. And then the defense, of course, they're not Legion of Boom status like they used to be, but the defense is still solid enough uh, to perform at a top level, especially in the division. And that's a, the, the NFC West is shaping up to be a, an actually a tough division now, which when they used to be the joke of the NFL um, years ago when uh, you had a 7-9 team go uh, to the playoffs. So I don't – they can contend. Um, depends on what the 49ers do, but they can they could easily go 1-2 in the division. Um, but I don't see too many holes uh, for the Seahawks. Um, they just wrote, they, they do have to do better on the road. Um, I will give them that, but I guess you can argue that about any NFL team um, since they played excellent at home. But yeah, they, they win one or two games. That's a bye, you know, and the playoffs shape out a little bit differently. So I don't, I don't foresee them doing terrible. All right. And that leaves us with um, just two teams left in division. Um, the Los Angeles Rams. Still tough for a lot of people to say that. Um, pretty much the only notable thing, they released Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. The man was in the MVP discussion two years ago, and then something went horribly wrong during the playoffs, especially in the Super Bowl. He barely did anything last year. It looked like there was never really any transparency in what was going on with him. So before we knew it, he was released, and Jared Goss signed that massive contract last year. And pretty much the Rams have no money. No money at all. So the way this division has improved, just this offseason, the last season alone, the Rams have got to figure out something or they're in trouble. And then that leaves the last team in the division, the Cardinals. Um, Obviously, pro- possibly the sec- second biggest thing in on the beginning of the league year. DeAndre Hopkins, they traded for him. They traded pennies to get DeAndre Hopkins. They pretty much just bodied Billy O. Just <laughs> got DeAndre Hopkins and didn't even give up their first round pick. Um, Kyler Murray is still coming into his own. He, he started doing a little bit better towards the tail end of the season. You know, of course you have... Larry Fitzgerald to work with you, which really is probably one of the best receiving options for a young quarterback to have for somebody to learn uh, under. Um, but now you have two outstanding, two of the best receivers we've seen in a very long time to throw to. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, I think the Cardinals could be a surprise. I think they're fully capable of taking a game off of Seattle and uh, the 49ers. Yeah, and something that slept on from last year is that the 49ers struggled both games against the Cardinals last mm-hmm. year. At the end of the day, it's matchups. How did yeah. the matchups play out? You know, and it's It'll be interesting to see. I think Kyler Murray's confidence will go up. They'll definitely work with him. I mean, you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins work with you also during the offseason. So they'll definitely work on some things. Um, and I just don't think Kyler Murray will be feeling that much pressure as well, but I can, I could see the Cardinals winning at least seven games. They could be a six, seven um, win team. They'll be a six, seven win team just because that's just in, in, in a very tough division. Um, but no, I could see them getting seven and they don't surprise some folks this year. 
All right. Well, with that, we're off to the NFC East, home of your beloved Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> am about I them Cowboys? Am I correct in saying that you love the Cowboys? <laughs> I absolutely love. I like I said, I have a reasonable fandom with the Cowboys, um, and I know plenty of Cowboys fans. We're everywhere. Um, you know, America's team, which wasn't a nickname that we came up with, which people seem to get wrong. We didn't come up with that, but that was a name that just stuck, just like any other team nickname that gets put out there. Um, but uh, they definitely have some work to do this offseason. Man, a lot of people hate y'all. And it's, and it's <laughs> fine. And I, and I think, too, the Dallas hate is because it's an easy thing to do. If people don't know sports or if they don't know football, the first thing that comes to mind usually are going to be the Cowboys. Literally, this is how you know it's the popular thing to hate the Cowboys. Like like you said, people don't even have to like to don't even have to watch sports. But let's say you go and you pay for something cuz you have the I think you have the Cowboys, you have the Cowboys on your your bank card, right? Mhm. People look at it like Cowboys, ew. Yeah, and it's it's just an easy it's just an easy thing to do. And I get it. They heard it from somewhere. I know people that don't even watch football and will say Cowboys suck. And it's just like, why? It's just like, I don't know. They just do. So they heard it from somewhere. They know somebody. Oh, I know so-and-so's a Cowboys fan, and they're annoying. So they just attribute the fandom with the person's personality, and they just sit there and make this false equivalency and think that it's like, okay, well, the Cowboys Cowboys fan base is terrible, Where it's just, as opposed to it's like, well, the person may be a bad person, and the person may be annoying, but it's like, oh, you're a Cowboys fan, so... Every Cowboys fan, uh, which historically we're not because, uh, which will segue into the other team in the division. Philly fans are notorious for being terrible people. <laughs> they booed Santa Claus, man. They booed Santa and had a, at one time in their old field, had a jail under it because of how rowdy the fans would get. Brotherly love, man. Brotherly love. But <laughs> let's 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 backtrack to Dallas. Pretty much big news for them this offseason. Um re-signing Amari Cooper. I think what was it, five years, hundred million dollars, or was yeah, it hundred twenty million? It was either hundred hundred twenty I'm not sure. It was at least a hundred million dollars that he got. The man just got the bag. That's all we know. He got the mm. bag. And then obviously they <clears throat> slapped that franchise tag on Dak. And you've come out as a Cowboys fan said fan and said he deserves every bit of that franchise tag he does um because i think he he needs to get out of his own way it's his agent and coming off he was only making his contract was a little over two million dollars his rookie contract and it's like and you got people like oh his contract so low it's like yeah because he was a fourth round quarterback so coming out of mississippi state nobody really knew how well he's going to be. At one point, very for like five minutes, he was in the Heisman conversation. Um, and then after that, it's like, okay, Dallas looks Dak Prescott. People are like, okay, whatever. Tony Romo goes down. Here comes Dak Prescott and plays amazingly well. Um, he has yet, to, he hasn't had a losing season. He has a winning record as a quarterback um, since he's been in. Um, this was actually statistically his best season uh, that he's had uh, so far. So I totally understand him wanting to bet on himself. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you made $2 million total. The Cowboys were prepared to pay you $33 million a year. 
Are you a top-level quarterback? That remains to be seen. However, the fact that they were willing to pay you this amount of money, considering what you were making, I just would have took it. I would have been like, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate it. And we just would have went from there. It'd be it. it'd be hard for me to have someone tell me that you're going to make what what's the the number for the tag this year? 33, 34? It's 33 or 34 million cuz it's the average of the top 5. It's like I understand why these players don't like the franchise tag but because there's no long-term security. But man, it I feel like it'd be hard to sit there and someone said all you have to do is sign this and you're guaranteed 33, 34 million dollars this season alone. If you can't make thirty-three to thirty-four million dollars last a very long time, you have no financial responsibility. Financial skills trash. Trash. But he but, should have. He should have taken when they first offered it to him. One less thing to worry about, and why someone feels like, and I guess we're we're not athletes, we wouldn't know, but to think the money that you're going to get paid in one year will last you, in a couple generations down the line at least based off of how well your financial responsibility is but a year if someone came and said Quinn here's 33 million dollars you got to make it last I couldn't spend it enough I couldn't spend it because I wouldn't know what to spend it on and to think that these players feel entitled to more money where in Dak Prescott's case you got one playoff win under your belt which is cool but that's it there hasn't been anything on your resume to show that you deserve this type of money. Have you been, have you performed at a high level? Yes, you have. You know, you guys sat there and went 13 and three first year. And yeah, we had the eight and eight last year, you know, and it's just, it's like, even all that, the fact that they're willing, we're going to give you 30 plus million dollars and you're still turning your nose up at it. It's like, you gotta, that's an ego thing at this point. I was about to ask you if you think it's an ego thing, but I want to make sure I gave you the floor to, Say what you need to say about your Cowboys. Offense is going to be good again. The defense is going to be good. Cowboys have a good team. They should be. There shouldn't be any issues there. They should have made the playoffs this year, but um, they they're set up to be pretty good next year. Well, this year. Um, for the Eagles, big move. Already touched on it earlier when talking about the Lions, but the Eagles acquired Darius Slay from the Lions, pretty much addressing a massive need area that they had last year because their defensive secondary was just beat up in every way you could imagine. Um, I would like to think Darius Slay makes a difference. I'm not sure if he's the difference between – I mean, they made the playoffs. So, at the end of the day, as long as you can stay in the playoffs, I guess that's all you really want. But I would like to think that with that happening, they lost Malcolm Jenkins um, back to the Saints. Mm-hmm. But – Having him, if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, the Eagles should be a very good, very competitive team. But that's a big if because he's been hurt a lot. Um, With the Giants, not really much for the Giants. Um, The big news, Eli Manning retired. Never forget, not all heroes wear capes. If not for Eli, the Patriots would have two more Super Bowls and I'd be miserable. (laughs) So, thank you. Eli and the Giants. But um, they have old Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, uh, going into year two. I'd expect that he has growth. Hopefully he doesn't hit a sophomore slump. Um, Saquon's back. He had injuries last year, and the team just wasn't very good. So um, the Eagles – the Eagles. 
the Giants should be. They're not going to be a good team, but I feel like they would be a team that gives people a lot of problems. Then again, who knows? They have a pretty high draft pick. If they pick who I think they'll pick, the team will be a lot tougher to deal with. Um, and then, like we touched on earlier, I think, um, the Redskins are just a mess. I'm sorry <laughs> to anybody I know that's a Redskins fan. They did hire Ron Rivera. Very respected coach in the league. Very, And I think even as fans, people respect Ron Rivera. So I would like to think he's going to turn the culture around, um, have pretty much a reset. Um, but the Redskins, they released Jordan Reed. That man just had that man woke up and had a concussion. He rolled out of bed and had yeah, a man, concussion. Could, he kept bumping his head. He just bumped his head too much. And then Josh Norman finally got released. That man was getting cooked. I like Josh Norman, but that man spent the last couple of years getting cooked. And I think his claim to fame in Washington was when he and Odell had that fight. So, not sure how we really look at the tenure in Washington for Josh Norman. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much the NFC. Over to the AFC, pretty much kicking off just kind of like we kicked off with the Bucks. We're going to stay to the tune of Brady and the Patriots. So for the last 20 years, the Patriots have had Tom Brady. Tom Brady has had the Patriots, but they're finally split up. Like you said, we're going to finally more than likely get an answer. Is Belichick fine without Brady? Is Brady fine without Belichick? Or do they need each other? I think... I just find it hard to believe that Bill Belichick would allow the Patriots to be bad. So, I don't think... This might be an aggressive take. I don't think the Patriots make the playoffs, but I also, at the same time, don't think they're a bad team. I think the Patriots end up being a middle-of-the-pack team. I think they have about eight wins. Eight to nine wins. Even with more more than likely Jarrett Stidham starting as a second year. I think this is his second year. Do you think, like, what are your thoughts on the Patriots? I think they are going to have to get somebody this offseason. I mean, granted, Tom they Brady, have no money. Yeah, <laughs> no I money. Know, I know. And Tom Brady's, those are, whoever is in the quarterback position, those are extremely, probably almost impossible shoes to fill. You never want to um, be the guy after the guy. You want to be the guy after yeah. the guy after the guy and because just going back even because Drew Bledsoe was the guy for New England for years and then here comes Tom Brady and we know how the story goes with that but it's just that level of performance as an organization um, of course they're going to have to rebuild but I could see them being like third in the division this year they, they gotta they gotta put the pieces back together um Belichick has to be comfortable with whoever his quarterback is and the team as well. So the offense is going to have to rally around whoever the quarterback is. And for some, that could be an adjustment, you know, and I think it's, it may not be so much from an, uh, a skill level. I think it's going to be mentally whoever the quarterback is, is going to have to step in and really dig their heels in and just try to push the idea of having to be as good as Tom Brady out of their heads because if not because you're going to have to worry about the fan base as well and what those folks up there uh, in the Boston area are going to think of you as basically the new face of the franchise Um, it's going to be a lot of pressure I'm curious to see how many real Patriots fans exist yeah once we see these pseudo Buccaneers fans like Homer Simpson out of the bushes 
I want to see if we can figure out who the real Patriots fans are and who the real Buccaneers fans are yeah. and who's just bandwagoners. Because I think a lot of quote unquote Patriots fans, I think a lot of Patriots fans are bandwagoners. There are some people like people that are from the area that are actually fans. Mm-hmm. I believe you're actually a fan. It's just a lot of people around the country. I sound like a Patriots hater, which I am. Well, I hate so you definitely are. I am 1000% <laughs> a Patriots hater and I'm proud of it. But I think a lot of people are just bandwagon fans. This this applies across sports in general, though. Yeah, some people some people might. Um, I think some people are also Tom Brady fans as well because he has been honestly in the NFL. Tom Brady has probably been the the model of consistency, the model of how to be um, a system quarterback. I just want to uh, put that out system there. Stuff. But I think it's because truth. he's he's been with the team for so long. And people clung to Tom Brady because people, they rotated, they have over the past 40 years, have rotated a lot of people out after that first Super Bowl stretch. A lot of people were gone after that. And very few people stuck around uh, that length of time. Very few people performed up to par. You know, we only saw Tom Brady injured one season and all that. So it's it'll be interesting to see. The fact that Bill Belichick could still put together a double-digit win team with Tom Brady out shows me why Bill Belichick is way more important to that organization than Tom Brady was. I mean, it still it still requires the performance of your personnel. I mean, just, just think about it, though. The Patriots have players. They look like ballers. And then one day you mess around and you ask for too much money and you get traded to the Browns. And we learn how... <laughs> bad you actually are and how great and flawless of a system the Patriots have. Yeah, but I think too... Granted, there's a lot of cheating too, but that's still, that's no, a different that's much. a different topic for a different day. Yeah, we'll have to save that for another one. But I don't think it's as... Does does your coaching matter? Absolutely. Because, like, like we talked about earlier, Nick Foles, people thought he was a scrub because of his first snip. But he wasn't. He just needed to be in the right place and he was and he goes to Philly and performs amazingly well in the Patriots case you have players that are other words I'll have a name for you Kimbrell Tompkins nobody knew who that dude was and then he goes over to New England and balls out you know so it's it's amazing what happens when you have a good coach and a strong system but you have to still be able to perform and a good coach will definitely play to your strengths as well case in point we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo when he left New England and went to San Francisco and balled out so it still takes a degree of talent because um, some coaches do well like take um, take Rob Ryan Rob Ryan's a good defensive minded coach but he was on teams that sometimes couldn't perform with the schemes he had. And he had great defensive schemes and stuff, but if your players can't sit there and do it, it makes you look bad as a coach. It makes it look like you can't coach as opposed to, no, these guys don't know what to do. So in New England's case, I think Bill Belichick, which again goes to his coaching ability, he knows how to find the strengths of the player and play to those strengths without exposing so much of their weaknesses. Um, but Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. He... Tom Brady still has to go out there and he still has to make those reads because we've seen quarterbacks <laughs> who can't read anything. They go out there. And, this is very true. And these quarterbacks will go out there and they can't, they just can't see anything. They can't, they can't sit there and read the defenses. 
They don't know what's going on. And they just do terrible. And it makes the coach look bad. Like Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez could, wasn't really good at reading the defenses. And they did good for the first couple of years. Didn't pan out so well. But then you have quarterbacks uh, that can go out and can read a defense. And they know what plays to draw up. And they can sit there and if they need to call an audible and all that stuff. So, but you can't coach all of that. It still takes skill on the part of the player because the quarterback position is the hardest position in all the sports. I'm telling you, Tom Brady's life was hard throwing those little three yard out routes. But that's what, that's all they. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's if that's all you have to do, and you have quarterbacks that can't do that. You have quarterbacks that still can't even do that much. You know, I'll give you one, Nathan Peterman, who was sitting there half of his first completions when he came in were picks. You mean Nathan Pickerman? <laughs> so it's like it still requires a skill on the part of the quarterback to sit there and do that because you have to worry about, okay, does this quarterback have a three-step drop? Tim Tebow. We saw Tim Tebow come in, and his windup mechanics were trash. He's sitting there. His throwing wasn't that good. He didn't have a super strong arm. You know, these weren't tight spiral passes, but he got the ball to where it needed to go for the most part. But people weren't picking him up to play quarterback. So it's still, and then he went to the Patriots. He went to the Patriots. They put that man on punt coverage. But it's just like, we know what your strengths are, and it's uh, it's not for the quarterback position. Well, hey, if anything we've learned over the, the years for the Patriots, do your job, follow the system, or you'll get traded to the Browns. But that same <laughs> argument can go with any team. You still have to perform in the system that you're in. If you're a very, like, take the 49ers. That system was very run-heavy. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't pass the ball that well. That was the system that they had. Take the Green Bay Packers that we saw. They were pass heavy, and then here comes, you know, one Aaron Jones, and they switched the game plan up. So their system moved from being a more pass-first offense because they used to have outstanding weapons in guys like Jermichael Finley. And we got to see guys uh, like Greg Jennings. Jordy you know, Nelson, you know, Jordy James Nelson. Jones. We got to see those guys, but those were receivers. Their their running game wasn't strong. Like we had Eddie, they had Eddie Lacy for a little bit. We got to see him, but Eddie Lacy decided to eat all the food and slowed himself down. Eddie Lacy didn't deserve that man. You know, so we sat there. We saw Green Bay's running game wasn't always there, but now that they have a running game and now they don't have a much of a receiving core, they switched it over. So it's a system based off of your personnel. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how things we'll going. We'll see what around, happens. Right? It'll be interesting to see what they're the most team. They're the team that I'm most curious to see what happens with this year. You and me and a lot of people. <laughs> but um, then there's Miami. They have a thousand picks in the draft. <sighs> um, they got the big pickup from Dallas. Byron Jones gave him a nice contract. Um, they added Jordan Howard. Um, pretty much Miami. I think they're set up to be good a lot sooner than people think. Um, I'm a Ryan Fitzpatrick guy, but I know that that flame is very questionable. <laughs> he's good when he's good. He's bad when he's bad. So we'll see. We'll see how things go there. Um, pretty much kind of touched on it earlier. Stefan Diggs acquired by the Bills um, with Brady out of the division and the Patriots kind of in a reset, but I'm not going to call it a rebuild, a reset because they still have a good defense. This should set up perfectly for Buffalo to win the division. Do you see any scenario where the Bills fumble the ball this year? 
you know, by literally fumbling the ball. <laughs> With the play, it's the Bills are a curious case because they would have flashes of being good, and they would have the person. I mean, and this is going back to like Shady McCoy days, where it's like you guys would do all right, you know. And Tyrod Taylor wasn't a bum, but he would do just enough. He wasn't flashy enough for a lot of people. That's well, why a lot was, of people aren't big on him out in. Los Angeles with the Chargers right now. Yeah, so it's, you know, he was a smaller quarterback. It is, yeah, it, he just was he wasn't a, he wasn't fun to watch. You know, he didn't do a lot of flashy stuff. He got the job done. He could throw you a touchdown or two, but he wasn't, he also wasn't also going to throw 300 yards a game either. You know, he was very game manager-esque, and he could run. So, okay, cool. But, you know, you had Shada McCoy to sit there and play. Um, the tight end, you know, they had Charles Clay, whatever he decided he wanted to sit there and show up, you know, so it's, they're up and down every season. They'll do all right one season, bad the next, do all right one season. So there's really, I, man, it's, it's going to be tough in that division. I could see Buffalo, Buffalo winning the division by default. I think Buffalo wins it and the Patriots still make them sweat a lot. I think that's how it plays out. Well, they always go back and forth. That's the thing. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, we know the Jets aren't winning. <laughs> the Jets aren't winning the division. The Jets so. are just another story on themselves. The like, Jets are winning the division. Buffalo, if I had to put I would say Buffalo would win the division right now. And we'll see how the season pans out, but an early prediction is that Buffalo wins the division with like nine and seven record that Buffalo wins the division with. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, then, like we just touched on, the Jets are the Jets. They have Adam Gase still. Adam Gase has the worst body language for a head coach <laughs> that I have ever seen in my life, so I don't know. That man had us convinced that Devontae Parker stunk, that Kenyon Drake stunk, um, Ryan Tannehill stunk, but Adam Gase leaves the Jets. No, leaves to go to the Jets. Devontae Parker has a career year. Um, Kenyon Drake, he was traded out to the Cardinals and supplanted David Johnson. And now he's the new starter out there. And then Ryan Tannehill, he's in Tennessee now. And we'll talk. Nice little contract. Yeah, got a nice contract. But we'll touch on that a little later. So the Jets, I feel like if the Jets ever want to be good again, they got to get away from Adam Gase. But that's one man's opinion. Um... Then there's the AFC North. Um, pretty much the Steelers, their claim to fame last year. Their defense is good again. They got Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, almost made the playoffs with Ben Roethlisberger hurt, and Mason Rudolph got cracked over the head with his own helmet last year. So <laughs> that, that pretty much summed up what's going on with the Steelers. Um, they signed Eric Ebron. Um, it could be a good pickup if he doesn't quit on the team like he quit on the Colts. Um, the man when he's, we've only really seen him put together one good year and that was with Andrew Luck. So I'd be interested in seeing what the Steelers can do with him. If Roethlisberger can stay healthy because he was on a, he was on a streak for a couple of years of not being hurt. Whereas prior to those couple of years, he was guaranteed to miss a game or two at least. Um, Juju's back. We'll see if he can solidify himself as a number one receiver. Um, we'll see how that goes. And yeah, that's pretty much with Pittsburgh, um, Baltimore, 
Baltimore is an interesting case. They were the number one seed in the AFC last year. Runaway league MVP in Lamar Jackson. Um, I'd expect him to still have a good year this year, but probably not as dominant as he was last year. Um, Marshall Yonder retired, which was, which is a big loss. It's not talked about enough because that man was a staple on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. So they're going to they're gonna need to replace that. Um, but they did pick up Calais Campbell in a trade. I think they only had to trade up fourth or fifth round pick to they get didn't, this man. They didn't trade a lot for him. They did not give up much. So the fact that they have Calais Campbell, that defense will be even better. Um, they also traded Hayden Hurst. I'm pretty sure they traded Hayden Hurst out to the um, to the Falcons. But they still have Mark Andrews, who was the go-to option last year, and they still have mm-hmm. Mark Mark Ingram. So, do you do you see the Ravens pretty much being what they were last year? A little like a step forward, a step behind, like a step back. Which one do you think? I think they'll still perform at the high level that they did. They their offense was absolutely tremendous. Um, this past year, we haven't seen that type of offense uh, from them in a very long time. Um, with Lamar Jackson, definitely runaway MVP. They have all the talent. You've got Hollywood Brown. You've got Mark Andrews. You've got Mark Ingram. You know, the, all their all their pieces are there to perform well. Um, I think, of course, when they got to the playoffs, the lights were definitely a little bit too bright for Lamar Jackson. A little like Lamar was trying to put the team on his back. He and was. And the game got away from them real fast. And he was trying to do them, which I could totally understand. And the pressure is there to perform. And he just wasn't ready for it, but that's okay. It's a It was a lesson learned, albeit a hard lesson for him, but now he knows what it's like. And there are definitely things that they can work on. The defense was still solid on top of that too. So I think the defense will do enough, but I definitely think it's going to come down to Lamar Jackson's uh, quarterback play this upcoming season. But I don't see why they can't win the division again. Yeah, they should They should definitely repeat. Um, Let's see. Cincinnati, I mean, they were a dumpster fire last year. A.J. Green was hurt the whole year. He didn't play a single game. Um, the The thing is, like, the Dolphins, a lot of people knew they wanted to lose and won. The Bengals wanted to win, and they just lost. They couldn't help themselves. But they had the number one pick. Pretty sure they're going to go Joe Burrow. Let's see if the Bengals find a way to screw this up. Um, and then Cleveland, pretty much their big issue last year outside of a mental gaffe with the helmet issue that I mentioned earlier with Mason Rudolph, Miles um, Garrett cracking him over the head, um, that they had a head coach that didn't really instill a whole lot of discipline in his team. Um, and really, like, the main football-related issue for them, their offensive line wasn't good. Um, they picked up Jack Conklin from the Titans. Um, that'll help get their line in better shape. Um, I would like to think that as long as Odell Beckham doesn't get traded and you return Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, they picked up Austin Hooper from the Falcons. You still have Nick Chubb, um, David Njoku as the other tight end. Um, like I said, they, they should be good. The team, they should be much, they should be closer to what people thought they were going to be last year, this year. With Once again, they have a new head coach, though, so we'll just have to see how that plays out. Um, and then over in the AFC West, um, the Chargers. After 
God, how many years was Philip Rivers? 16 years? After 16 years. Yeah, because he came into that 2004 2004. draft class. Yeah, so after 16 years, Philip Rivers, gone. And like we said, they're turning the reins over to Tyrod Taylor. Or at least that's what they keep telling us. A lot of people think they're going to draft a quarterback. Um, They let Melvin Gordon walk. He pretty much played himself last year. The man wanted like $14, 15000000 a year. Undeserved money. And Yeah. He, you need to know the organization you play for. They weren't going to budge, so he realized it. Man came. He broke his hold out. Didn't have a good year. So he's out. He's over with the Chargers now with a two-year, $16 million deal. So I'm sure he doesn't feel too great about that. And another signing that slept on, they picked up Chris Harris Jr. from the Broncos. And Chris Harris, very good, very underrated, very underappreciated corner. So that'll be good. So the Chargers defense, that Chargers team in general, if not for Derwin James being hurt last year, I think that the team would have been a lot better. But they have talent. They're talented across the board on defense. They're talented across the board on offense. There's no reason for the Chargers to have the number six pick in the draft. But they do. So we'll see. I think if they just get the right piece, that team could be a playoff team again. But We'll have to see how it plays out. Um, like I said, the the Broncos, really their big thing, like I said, signing Melvin Gordon. Um, looks like they're going to completely hand the reins over to Drew Locke, which I like. Um, give him control as the quarterback of the team. The return choice. Yeah, Cortland Sutton. Um, the defense should still be respectable. So we'll see there. Um the Raiders are moving out, will have officially moved out to Las Vegas as much as they can. Their stadium still isn't finished because of the quarantine, so there is a slight chance that they end up having to play at a college stadium or go crawling back to Oakland mm. for a little bit, which I find hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, that's the state of that. And then the last team, obviously, division-winning, conference-winning, Super Bowl-winning champion Kansas City Chiefs, who return practically the entire team. How do you think things pretty much line up and shape out for the Chiefs going into next year. The Chiefs can honestly go back. Um can honestly go back to the Super Bowl again. Um I with what you touched on, them still keeping majority of their team intact as well. You I know. think they returned eleven of twelve starters on offense. So I don't see it. I mean and then your coach is also Andy Reid. Wait, whoa, uh, that sounds... No, 11 or 12, I'm an idiot. I was about to say, 10 of 11. 12, yeah, I was about to say. 10 of 11, my bad. Yikes. <laughs> I, I sat there caught that I was going to let you Yikes. fix that. but 10 of 11. Uh, but yeah, majority of their team is intact still. Um, there's no D4 to jump off sides to, to ruin things. D4 didn't deserve uh, that, but he kind of did. <laughs> but no, their their team is solid. Like we, We've seen what Patrick Mahomes can do, and he's, he's only going to get better. Um, their team, you know, Travis Kelsey finally got his act together uh, this year as well. The defense was outstanding this year too. Um, I, I mean, they're, nobody in their division is beating him. Um, nobody in the AFC West is is coming out of there. Not a, not a chance it's, to it's beat them in close. the division now. Um, they're so far beyond that division. Um, they're definitely going to come out the favorites. You know, you you typically like to see your Super Bowl winning team to, if not go back, to at least make a deep run. So yeah, I don't I don't see right now, and we'll have to definitely see how the season shapes up. But on paper right now, I don't see 
who's going to beat the Chiefs. I mean, just like Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, as long as you have, like, Patrick Mahomes, who, at this point, best quarterback in the league. I think everybody no can agree, like, without a doubt. As long as you still have Patrick Mahomes strapping up the helmet for your team in Kansas City, you're going to be a very legitimate threat every single year, and people are going to be terrified of you. Ask the Texans and ask the Titans from the playoffs, and even ask the 49ers who suffered the same thing in the Super Bowl. So that pretty much leaves us last with my team's division, the AFC South. Um, so obviously the Colts last offseason, well, last year right before the season started, Andrew Luck retires. Um, so the team turns to Jacoby Brissett. Team gets off to a good start. Um and the wheels fall off when injuries happen, and there were just a lot of issues last year. But um, pretty much a lot of notable moves. Um, they picked up DeForest Buckner from the 49ers, um, traded for him, gave up the 13th pick in the draft, which I like because you're getting something like you're getting something that you know. We know that DeForest Buckner is a monster clogging up the middle. Mm-hmm. The Colts general manager has talked from day one about how he loves the guys in the trenches. So pretty much DeForest Buckner being on the Colts, that's going to make a big difference. Um, the Colts also re-signed Anthony Costanzo as the left tackle. I think it was a two-year, $33 million deal, so that's good. He's back. Um, got Xavier Rhodes from Minnesota. He's been getting cooked the last couple of years, but mm. we know what he can be. He's a, he's a former pro bowler, so we know – he has the talent to pull off having like a really good year. Um, let's see, what else happened? There's some other moves. Oh yeah, Philip Rivers. Yeah, yeah, that's the big one. That's the biggest one because really a lot of people would say the Colts were a quarterback away last year from being a really dangerous team. So, um, I don't dislike Philip Rivers. I think it's a good enough move to win us the division. I think with the moves that the Colts have made, I think we're in a good enough position to win the division and get back in the playoffs. Um, So, yeah, I'd like to see where my team goes. Um, Is the Super Bowl realistic? I got to see the start of the season first, though. I got to see how things go for the first couple weeks before I even start thinking Super Bowl, because like I said, I just want to get back in the playoffs. Um, Then there's the Houston Texans. Mm. Billy O'Brien, head coach, general manager. This man is giving away everything. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. That man traded DeAndre Hopkins, like I said, not even didn't even get a first round pick back for it. At least the at least the Vikings got a first round pick back for Stephon Diggs. But the Texans didn't even get a first round pick. Just gave him away. Just gave him away. Um Bill O'Brien, also the same guy that traded Jadavion Clowney to the um Seahawks. I don't even remember if they got a first. I don't think they got a first round pick for that. Mm-hmm. Um, traded away their first round pick last year to get Laramie Tunsil, which I guess in hindsight worked out. And then pretty much by trading DeAndre Hopkins, they said, you know what? We'll fill DeAndre Hopkins role with David Johnson, who was really good one year for the Cardinals, but has been injury prone and a bust ever since. Um, Brandon Cooks for who for whatever reason just can't stay healthy. That wasn't part of that same trade. That was just that was a a different trade. Um, but yeah, Brandon Cooks he's a he's a good receiver. Um, and he just gets traded so much. He just gets traded. I don't I don't know what it is. And then Randall Cobb 
solid pickup from Dallas. Um, he was a free agent, and he's a reliable player. So, yeah, pretty much they said we'll replace Hopkins with three other guys and Will Fuller, who usually pulls his hamstring four <laughs> times a season. So, oh, man. So, Deshaun Watson, if you're listening, before you think about signing a contract extension with the Texans, I want you to look around and realize that you are Will Smith right now. <sighs> you are standing in an empty room wondering where everybody is. Um, what's wrong with Bill O'Brien? He's they they have that man thinking he's he a thinks good he's Belichick, maker. right? He thinks he's Belichick. He thinks Bill O'Brien wants to be the smartest guy in the room so bad, and trying to big brain these players he has with their with these moves and all that stuff, which makes no. You literally traded, which you could argue the between DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Jackson, who the best player on the team is, but you traded away one of your top two talents, for Deshaun Jackson. Watson. You said Deshaun Jackson. Right, yeah, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Watson. But it's like you're trading away, well, you did trade away, you know, one of your best players for, for literally nothing. Just give away. It reminds me of the Steve Smith deal years ago uh, where it's like just nothing. Just got him up out of there for absolutely nothing. A top receiving talent that teams have to game plan for. And even then, it's still going to be a problem. Like It still reminds me of that video where he cooked my man's, uh, where he cooked D'Angelo Hall in practice and legitimately <laughs> had that man hurt himself. Uh, but Bill O'Brien is out here, and, and they're, everybody, they're letting him. They're letting them make these decisions, and the fact that people aren't challenging these things is is mind-boggling. The man has a bunch of yes-men around him. You know, to sit there, it's like you see Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson should not be out there running for his life almost every game. That makes no sense. Your your longevity at the quarterback position isn't going to be good. We saw what happened to, uh, to uh, David Carr when he got there. The old line has just not been a strong point for the Texans. It's like that's what you should be focused on. You know, your running game will take care of itself. You know, if you have a good old line, you're a wealthy receiving game. But DeAndre Hopkins is just a otherworldly talent. But for Bill O'Brien to sit out here and think that he's making these huge moves, what they they are big moves. They are big moves. They're just negative ones. <laughs> he's not afraid to pull the trigger on a massive move, but he's it's, not, it's, no he's one's not there, benefiting from the big moves. No one is there to go out there and basically just give him the Marge Simpson and Lisa Mean was like, no, nah, we're going to have to go ahead and cut you off right there. <laughs> like, just go ahead and log out for me. Like, you're out here trying to make these decisions. It's like, no. It's like, before you make any decisions, you need to run this past a few more folks. Because I'm pretty sure if they had, DeAndre Hopkins would still be with the team. It sounds like Hopkins and O'Brien just didn't like each other. It sounds like that's what it came down to. And the coach was to the point where, he, well, the coach slash GM was just like, you know what, as long as I can get something for this guy, that's better than keeping this guy, no matter how much talent he has. Yeah, and that was the thing. And it came down to an ego thing. And I think that's the problem, too, with Bill O'Brien is that you know, he wanted to be the man so bad that he just sat there in and wanted to be right. That he got rid of the talent just to prove a point. You know, it's possibly the best receiver in the league. You know, cutting your nose off to spite your face. It's like I'm the man around here, so you can get out. You know, and then the the, the conversation that they had, you know, we just would have had to move some furniture around. <laughs> Even if you said they're trading, it's like we're not having that type of conversation, you know, to sit there, you know, and I know we on the on here so we could have that conversation offline but 
the conversation that went down between the two of them, it's like which nah. is the alleged one because it hasn't really been come out or confirmed or denied, but we're we have a feeling I'm, that it's I'm written. pretty certain that the conversation that alleged to have happened took place, and that was it. It's like you know, at that point, if I was down to your house, I'm like, you don't respect me. At this point, all that I go out here and do, and you have done nothing but run us into the dirt, and this is how you're gonna talk to me. Cool, you know, I would have smacked him on my way out. And it was like, oh, you're getting out of here. And it's like, that's fine. <laughs> but it's like, you're not going to sit there. And, and that's what a lot of these coaches need to realize, too. You're also talking to grown men that have to go home and feed their families or spend time with their wife and their kids or what, even if they don't have any of that stuff. But it's like these people are coming to work every day, doing their job. And you to, to be condescending and talk down to these guys or whatever, you know, then you'll, next, you know, you end up with a PJ Carlissimo situation. Or, you know, you're getting choked out by your player. <laughs> you know, and even the owner. When they sat there and the owner was like, and he passed, and his, when they were having the conversations a couple years ago, he's like, oh, can't have the inmates running the prison. And it's just like, wow. It's a bad look. You know. this. You know, I was ragging on the, the Redskins organization earlier for being questionable with how they ran. The Texans organization from the top down was being run by some, yeah. was and is being run by some questionable people. And it was just, it was just an unfortunate situation that they had to be in because, you know, when the news gets out, you know, that these guys are behind closed doors uh, having this conversation, you know, and you're sitting here, we're all trying to reach an agreement, you know, and here comes Bob McNair saying, oh, you know, and he knew the connotation behind what he was saying. And then he tried to backpedal and be like, oh, I did. It's like, no, you, you said it because that's how you felt about the situation. And then he passed and it's just like, I don't feel bad because you said some very tasteless and disgusting stuff, you know, because you, you feel, uh, and it's just a lot of the ownership is like this. They're just from a generation where they feel that they should be able to say and do whatever. And people are okay with it. And I think what the owners forget, because like we said, at the end of the day, it comes down to ego. I think the owners sometimes forget that people aren't paying to watch them play. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're not going to stadiums to pay and watch them sit in the booth, like in well in their suites. We're out there, like we're out there to watch these guys, like the athletes play football. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's what it comes down to. So, it's just questionable, questionable leadership. Um, so I guess jumping to Tennessee now. Um, I think going into free agency, they had 27 or 28 free agents, but pretty much they retained the big two. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bringing back Ryan Tannehill. Massive contract that I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting he was going to get one that big. But Derrick Henry, who legitimately put the team on his back throughout the playoffs, mm-hmm. just got franchise tagged. I'm sure he's not happy about it, but reportedly he did sign it. So he will be there. Um, I'm sure they're going to try to That's work business decision. Deal. Yeah, business decision. Um, so... I personally don't think the Lions, the Lions, the Titans will will be able to grasp magic or lightning in a bottle like that two straight years. I think they take a step back. I think they finish somewhere second or third in the division because, once again, I'm picking the Colts to finish first. Um, and then there's Jacksonville. Mm. Like we touched on, I mean, traded Calais Campbell, traded Nick Foles, um, traded Jalen Ramsey last year. That man did talk a lot. Um, they still have Leonard Fournette. He's mad because all his friends are gone. He might also. I was reading. He's a being. Bit ago, he's, he's being, being shopped around yeah. because he said he wanted Cam over Gardner Minshew, which I understand. I would also take Cam Newton over Gardner Minshew. 
But the minute he says that now, they want to shop him around. Well, Gardner Minshew, like I was saying earlier, he's a he's a marketing dream. He is. It, it's and it's good. And he he did he did well last year. He had like twenty touchdowns, six picks, a little over three thousand yards. It was like it's thing is he people slept on. He had a yeah, really good. He did year. really well for what they asked him to do. To come out there and do, he performed pretty well. Like he was, I'll still say Gardner Minshew is a good solid backup quarterback. Because okay, you got to get in here and do it. But if I have Cam Newton, a healthy Cam and a healthy Gardner Minshew, I'm taking Cam every time. Um, it's like you're talking a former league MVP who still performed was performing well until he was injured. You know, so Cam Newton, whoever he ends up with, he's gonna destroy the league. That man was working out. Yeah. To grateful, that man was working out to gospel music. <laughs> it's like it's it's he's gonna be a problem wherever he lands. You know, if he lands in Jacksonville, you know, if he goes to the Patriots or whatever, they can't know, afford him. It's he's gonna be a problem wherever he goes, and the league needs to to take notice of that because people are like, oh, Cam's. It's like no, Cam was good, and that's the problem, I guess, with living in Charlotte too, because the fans here, you know. They they didn't like him at first. They booed him when he got drafted, coming out of uh, coming out of Florida, Auburn. Or, uh, well, from well, Florida, Florida, from Florida to yeah, Auburn, junior, yeah, from Florida to Auburn to the Carolina. I mean, they were booing him when he was coming out of Florida because of the, all the the whole scandal and all that stuff mm-hmm. there. So he's he's heard it, you know, his whole playing career, and he gets here. And people are like, oh, we don't know about Cam. They were calling him Scam Newton, and all this stuff. And then he gets here. And performs well, and then it's just like, oh, we love Kim. It's like, no, y'all didn't, because y'all was sitting there talking trash. And Carolina had ran through so many quarterbacks, you know, going all the way back, you know. They were lost after Jake, like when Jake Delhomme just yeah. was no longer good. They were lost for a while. They were sitting there, and they loved backup quarterbacks, you know. I mean, from Steve Burline and Chris Winkie and Rodney Pete and Jimmy Clausen, and Jimmy Clausen, they were sitting there just drafting not guys. Good. And then here comes Jake DeLome, and they're like, oh, okay, great. And then Jake DeLome just sits there and decided, you know. One day he, he decided he was Williams. just he was just going to. Darren Williams just woke up and wasn't going to be good. Just going to start throwing picks every and, time he was out there. And it was just, he had just lost it. And and then here you go with Cam Newton, who was consistent and doing well for them and was the reason why they were winning games for a very long time. They went 15-1, and one, went to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, the road to the Super Bowl ran through Charlotte. Like I remember that 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 whole time that 2016 season of them just going through, and I mean Charlotte was pandemonium in a good way, and then you know afterwards it was just like okay we did good did they lose yes was it bad yes, but it's like Cam Newton can still play the game of football, um, so we'll see you know we'll see what happens but uh. Within your division, you know, the the Titans are still fully capable as well. We'll see what they do because I don't know who's tackling Derrick Henry. I just I just don't know. Just that's, watching it. He's such a, a large There's no reason for man. him to be that big <laughs> as a running back. To be that large and fast. He still runs like a 4-5, which is scary speed. Hey, for a guy that size. These guys got to make business decisions. Yeah, like, do I, like, I want to sit there and tackle this man and potentially Earl Thomas myself? Or <laughs> am I going to sit here and move out of the way? You know, so it's like, we'll see. But 
I can see the Titans going to. You know, you guys got Phillip Rivers now, so it should be interesting. And Phillip Rivers has weapons to throw to, which really, from a weapons perspective, he's getting similar players now. I'm saying T.Y. Hilton is a lot like Keenan Allen, and he loved himself some Keenan Allen. Well, yeah, they were that was his homie. So it's it'll be interesting to see, you know, with the team that you have, you still got Marlon Mack, you know, and you still got T.Y. Offensive line is you know, just it's brilliant, just it's, nasty. It's it's going to be interesting, our but de- I could see them doing going one two. Our defense will definitely be deceivingly good next year, but that's next year. So pretty much that was the rundown. Um, and episode's been going for a pretty decent length. Um, I guess before we close it out, we can kind of touch on quarantine. Who knows? Maybe people are trying to look for some things to do during quarantine, like. Pretty much like you said, there's not much to do, but what have you been doing pretty much as a time passer during quarantine? Um, My routine hasn't changed, honestly, with all this is going on. It's the only thing that was disrupted, I guess, in a negative way was just going to the gym. Um, But nothing has changed. You know, if anything, I'm glad I'm saving on gas. Um, I second that. You know, I'm still maybe half a tank, a little bit above half a tank. So, you know, saving on gas, the time spent in traffic, the getting up early to sit there and accommodate for the traffic uh, as well. So I'm glad all of that has been gone. Um, But I'm still keeping myself entertained. You know, there's still plenty of YouTube, um, Netflix watching. There's video game playing. You know, I'm cooking more um, as well. So that's been fun to do. Uh... Yeah, so I, I actually don't mind it, you know, and plus living in Charlotte, which I don't understand how some people are like, oh, I can't do it, all that stuff like that. It's like Charlotte has a million people in it. So you already weren't seeing your friends for two, three weeks at a time. Anyway, even longer, you know, and some of these people live not too far from you anyway. So people are like, oh, I haven't done this, this, and this. And it's just like, you already weren't doing that stuff. It's just that people were upset at losing the option to decline the invitations to do things. So they'll be all right whenever they decide to open us back up um, since ours runs until the 30th. But as far as doing stuff, you know, just the usual, you know, TV, YouTube, playing the game, you know, my sleeping is a lot better. I'm getting more sleep, you know, so this whole thing just hasn't had a negative impact on my day to day. Yeah, pretty much like what we were talking about. I saw all those reports about like especially out in Italy, um, with pretty much people being inside, like the water's clear, the air is cleaner. Um, there are there's wildlife out in the in the bodies of ocean that we weren't really seeing because people are always out there. You can actually see to the bottom of the ocean in some areas because there aren't people with their disgustingness just out there just polluting it. So pretty much this is a detox for the environment. The way I've looked at it, pretty much the the world and the environment is getting the reset that it wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Does the virus stink? Yes, but there are positives to pull from it. Like you said, um, not having to spend gas money, at least us. I know some people still have to go um, to their office work, but we're not going to our office. So we're saving gas. Um, me, I'm not going out right now, obviously, because there's nothing open. Which is good. I'm in the best place I've been financially in a, in my entire life. Not just a long time, my entire life. So, 
there are positives to come from it. And like you said, there's plenty of stuff to watch, plenty of things to do, like um, plenty of TV shows, plenty of YouTube, plenty of games. Like you also, I'm cooking more. I'm learning to cook new things. And it's good because if I'm sitting here spending, like putting my money as far as food towards groceries to cook my um, food, those are meals that last me for days versus Mm -hmm. going and spending money to like get takeout or whatever. And it's like 10 and like just 10, $12 a pop to go get food. Mm -hmm. So adds up. Yeah, it adds up. So I'd say pretty much, um, if there's anything to say to anyone right now during quarantine, um, try to make the best out of it. Don't be stupid. Wash your hands and just be smart. And the more people comply, the quicker things go back to normal. But hopefully the new normal is that people are a lot more sanitary and people are a lot smarter about how they carry themselves. Yeah, and it's, I think people are learning a lot about themselves. Like, we found out how many people weren't actually practicing good hygiene. (laughs) Which is just Uh, a shame. Which is, it's... It's funny just because with the amount of toilet paper that was gone and paper towels and all this stuff, people are buying up things that they don't regularly keep in supply. Anyway, like when we would make our grocery store runs, I was already grabbing four or five paper towels at a time anyway. I was already grabbing a giant roll of toilet paper anyway. So it's like that's behavior didn't change. It's just that everybody ran out and the soap stayed on the shelves. Crazily enough, it's people are like, oh, I'm getting hand sanitizer. People are grabbing all the hand sanitizer and, and the Lysol like, wipes, but no one's buying like hand wash and body yeah, wash. Yeah, it's like your your home should be clean regularly. You know, we clean up around here, you know, on a regular basis. So it's like that type of stuff wasn't a problem. It's like, yes, your bathroom should be clean. Yes, your kitchen should be clean and all that stuff like that. Like people are now just hoarding and we see all these people trying to take advantage of the situation, trying to buy a bunch of like the guy that bought all the hand sanitizer was trying to sell it off price gouging uh, hey but they they caught up it caught up you with know, them and it, and it got up to them as it should have but it's just like you know people were panic buying it's like yeah all you guys buying all this stuff that don't need it now the people that actually do need it can't get it you know same with these masks you know these n95 masks and it's like save that stuff for the healthcare workers if you already aren't traveling out and doing these things don't go out there and buy these because it's like you don't need it like you're not going anywhere that matters you know people are getting creative you know in this time but it's like guys just practice your typical good hygiene wash your hands wash your face like wash daily i know some people are like well i'm home I, no just wash daily anyway you know limit your social interactions like okay if you want to see your friends like i'm not going to tell people don't hang out friends but it's just like just be mindful if you do go see somebody you know be smart about it you know don't gather in large groups and things like follow the instructions, you know, don't be like Texas and Florida that are opening back up already, <laughs> which makes no like Dallas had like 125 new cases just yesterday. And the governor's like, we'll be open next week. Where was that state that you said um, they just completely lifted it like a couple of days ago and now they have like all these cases because um, they said they said something like they didn't have that many or really anything to draw from. Uh, South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota. South Dakota was, and then they're like, oh, and then it, it just skyrocketed. It's just like. Out of nowhere. It's like, what are you talking about? You know, so, you know, Florida's being dumb, but it's it's to be expected because Florida just always does something. There's some wild stuff going on in Florida. I mean, I there's a whole, anyway. there's a Twitter page. Just Florida, man. Yeah, and it's just like, just, just doing nonsense. And it's like, you guys haven't been away from each other that long. And you guys are upset because you can't go to the beach. And it's just like, so what? Like, if it means... 
you know, okay, you can't do this for a little while. Like, I feel for the class of 2020. Like, I totally understand. Yeah, that. anyone that's a senior in, like, high school or college, yeah. man, I You feel should like have the right op- that experience of walking across the stage and getting that sense of accomplishment, regardless of whether you're in high school, college, you know, upper that, levels. That's education. a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge accomplishment to do. So I get it, you know, but to sit here and see people are just out here just being dumb. And it's just like, like any zombie movie or outbreak movie or whatever. What was the whole premise? Containment. We have to sit there and corral this and keep them in here. You know, whether it's zombies or infected people or whatever, we got to corral it. We got to contain it so it doesn't spread. We've all seen those types of movies. And then the real life thing happens and people just do the complete opposite. So I, people, I don't, people I don't know, know how to sit down. Like they people just don't can't know keep how to still, sit and still. it's like you don't need to go to a bar, or restaurant that bad. It's like fortunately the liquor stores have you know been deemed essential, you know. So it's like <laughs> there's ways around it. It's just that people just don't just create just don't want your to. own entertainment within reason. You know, this is the perfect time now to get to know somebody. Perfect time. You know, people are quarantined, so there's no reason why they shouldn't be answering their phone. There shouldn't be no reason why. Uh, you know why you shouldn't be you know finding out what this person's you know interests are getting to know them but you know people are like oh well I'm busy you can't be that busy it's like you were furloughed like what do you have to do now like you know you're not busy literally all day don't don't sit there and your brain relayed that message for you to speak that lie you know so it's take advantage of the time because what's going to happen is everything's going to go back and people are going to want to wish they had that time to see their kids or their significant other or to sleep or to work on a project and all that stuff. So it's like, while we have it, utilize the time. Utilize it. So like you were saying, pretty much learn something about some other people, learn something about yourself, acquire a new hobby, and yeah, just stay clean, you filthy animals. <laughs> but, wash um, your hands, you nasties. Wash your hands, you nasties. So yeah, uh, Quinn, I think we're going to wrap it up there. How do you think this went? You enjoy it? It was good. That was good. I've never done a podcast, so this was this is cool. So this is a uh, good experience. You know, appreciate you having me on. Um, I'll be sure to tell people to, to check us out. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to doing some more in the future. Yeah, check it out. Um, Competing Lifestyles um, podcast is on Spotify. Um, I have a Facebook page, Competing Lifestyles. I have a Twitter page, Competing Lifestyles. Um, and I want to try to get back to doing this a lot more consistently, um, crank out content because like we said, we're in quarantine, so people aren't doing too much. So this would serve as a good opportunity to give people something to listen to. So with that being said, um, I think we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up and thank you all for listening and we will catch you guys next time. Peace.